0: Hi, and welcome to Weird Science, the Psychology Podcast.
1: I'm Laura. And I'm Emily. And today we are talking about heat crimes. Heat crimes. I don't know. <laughs> the heat. Is what? that your new bit? Is to try to say it in a funny voice? Maybe. Every time. Maybe. That might be my thing now. Because you do the introduction. Yep. And then I don't know. I try to be funny, I guess. All right. <laughs> Uh, but um, we're gonna tell yeah cover heat crimes. I realized that was more of a visual bit than an actual <laughs>
0: one. But, yeah, she was fanning herself and oh, yeah.
1: acting as if she was very sweaty. Yeah, it's so and hot. Heat, I sweat so much. Heat crime. I sweat yeah. so much. Okay. Um, so my sources today include the New York Times, uh, South University's the Spring issue, Vox, Psychology Today, ABC News, and CBS News. So I've done quite a few different sites. Um, To come to the grand old question of does increased temperatures actually cause people to commit more crimes? That's the thing we're trying to figure out. So studies have shown that fewer people are murdered in the U.S. in colder months than in warmer months. I will point out these studies are mostly, you know... I think it's the U.K. and the U.S. are the ones who actually seem to give a shit about this. Right. Um, or shouldn't say that. They yeah, have the funding and resources, let's be honest. Um, and the U.S. has so much money they could go and do studies elsewhere, but, you know, God forbid they actually do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a study looking at 10 cities with daily shooting ratings, because um, not every city actually does this, right. Uh so, you know, like they, they See so that's why they can't do the studies elsewhere. <laughs> no, right? it's because it only happens in the US. <laughs> <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Yeah. Okay. But so there's uh so yeah, they looked at the ten cities in the US that do report daily shooting ratings and they did see that shootings did climb as the weather did. And they did look at this as like a cold weather versus pleasant weather versus warm weather. And if I remember correctly, the pleasant weather kind of cuts off around like mid eighties, is that's when they put it into like warm hot. weather. Yeah, hot hot weather um so this effect though was weaker in southern cities i don't know if it's just because it's constantly warmer i was
0: gonna say my crime it it kind of occurs like at a peak time for that area Mm -hmm. but i mean the peak there is in the 80s so it's not that crazy hot but maybe it's because of that location yeah anyway yeah
1: um i mean and again like this is only across 10 cities so like the like the cities in the south they're looking at is like san antonio new orleans because these are all they're all big cities that are obviously reporting this houston yeah and so and the effects only seem to be uh, on shootings that occurred outside they did not see a significant increase in shootings committed inside so what was nice is that these uh these cities that did report it did did actually say like this happened when happened outside this one happened indoors um and of course like I mean, that was just a study that really focused around shootings and murder. Heat isn't just related to the crime of murder, right? Uh, or, or even just shooting people in general, uh, assault. Yeah. But they did see that. Uh, really, it is kind of agreed upon that violent crimes across the board do go up. So this is including street violence, muggings, battery assault. Essentially, um, if you gotta hit someone, you're probably gonna wanna you're probably gonna do it during the summer months. Right. Okay. But. As every good Psych 101 student knows, correlation some, is not causation. Uh-huh. <laughs> A plus for Laura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, so just the fact that uh, increased, that just means that right now what the studies have shown is that increased summer temperatures just co- coincide with, uh, you know, increased right. violent crimes.
0: Could be that more people aren't working because it's the summer months. I'm, I don't I got you there. okay. okay.
1: Uh, cause I mean, I just, you know, cause a lot of it does cover around as also like, why? So what also happens during the summer months? Kids are out of school. People go outside. Yeah. People There's just go outside. Sports. Yeah. Sports. So one thing that they were talking about was that is just people go outdoors. This increases social interaction and just generally allows more opportunities for criminals and victims or, you know, potential victims to interact. Because right. um, the whole thing is, yeah, like, does he directly lead to people creating, uh, leading to more violent crimes or does it just create the opportunity for more violent crimes? So, um, so just simply the fact that social interaction increases could also explain why violent crime rises in the summer. Uh, also juveniles are also very likely to commit crime and guess what? Yeah. It's not happening in the summer school. So they're out, right. they're loose. Um, I do, you know, I, I relate back to the book that talked about like um, juvenile crime specifically talked about like, um, kids that were more vulnerable to falling to being, um, you know, committing crimes, it, usually kids who don't have, um, essentially like, you know, don't have like, idle hands or the devil's work sort of thing. Okay, like, yeah, it was right. the thing um, is that kids
0: in communities where maybe their parents aren't always present.
1: Yeah. Where I mean, if your parents are working and also right. you're not going into like after school activities and stuff, where you are more likely to, you know, engage in some less than um, you know, savory, yeah, savory behavior. Yeah. Uh, so that would also then suggest that when kids are out of school, especially if you still have parents who are working, they're not being supervised. Right. Um, and I mean, this doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, kids are bad. It's just kids are, their frontal prefrontal cortex not yeah. fully developed. Yeah, kids no. are dumb they might do things that they don't really think about the consequences of their actions.
0: Right. So not, And, and like, maybe they're looking for a place where structure is found. Mm-hmm. So, like, a gang
1: would yeah. provide that for them. And then the gang's like, you should go beat this guy up. And you're like, well, I like the structure here. Yeah. It's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. But, um, so, property crime also is shown to go up uh though they suggested that this could be attributed to people leaving their homes more often um you're going out you're going with your family to the beach or to the amusement park or just to the park um where in the winter months people tend to stay home um they also said that people might be more willing to leave valuables out because one crime they mentioned i just generally call it property crime but um they were talking about like (laughs) i'm sorry you know Bicycle crime. (laughs) Stealing bicycles. Yeah, yeah. So they're saying, like, you might see a break-in in in a car. Um, Not people stealing the car, but maybe if you, like, you pack the car up before you go on a family vacation, you left stuff in the car. Or, in the case, um, you know, yeah, like the bike crime is what do kids do? They ride their bike around the summer. They go home for lunch. They just drop their bike in the yard. They don't put it up. Um, It's really easy for someone to come along and just ride off on the bike. Right. So, um I just realized here in my notes that I wrote labor statistics, but that's not true. Oh. <laughs> what is that? It? it should be Bureau of Justice Statistics. Okay. Okay. So a 2014 study from the Bureau of Justice Statistics. I'm really hoping that's what it is. That's what my brain's telling me it is. Um, okay. <laughs> but, you know, statistics evolving around crime right. and justice system stuff. Right, So anyways, I did find the actual study for this Uh it's like an actual scientific paper totally free to look at uh because it's from the government didn't feel like actually reading it okay. um so instead I found a Vox article that summed it up really nicely for me so okay. thank you Vox sure. I was like I'm like yeah I looked at like, and also i I'll admit like it's been such it's been a couple of years since I've like really been in a lot of the terminology that gets thrown around in like talking about crime studies so I was like I don't really remember what that word means. So I'm going to go find someone else who already looked it up for me. So this 2014 study from this bureau, they looked at crime from 1993 to 2010. And if I remember, uh, this is what I wrote in my notes, but I'm pretty sure the study they used was the handy dandy crime guide from the FBI. Okay,
0: that is a very funny title of a book that
1: should be very serious. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's called the... um, I think it's called the Uniform Crime Report, uh, so the UCR. dang it. I was really hoping that was like the actual name <laughs> of the crime I, report. Sorry. I if you know what if then I was in charge of it. <laughs> <laughs> if I was in charge of this, I would have called it the Handy Dandy Crime Guy. But for those who are unfamiliar with the UCR, it's basically like uh, Are you familiar with it? No, okay. No. Um it's essentially where the states like d- different departments, all the different police um they submit their crime data to the FBI and the FBI compiles it so you get to see Mm. like what cities are um it's Mm. the study itself is not like perfect because it it really does depend on reporting um what I was told is that the only two crimes in there that you can actually know are accurate or murder and auto theft just because Murder shows up on death certificates, so a second source mm-hmm. can confirm it. And auto theft tends to get reported to insurance companies,
0: mm-hmm. uh, and the
1: to the police for insurance purposes. Everything else, it get it depends on people reporting it, and then the assumption that the police re- departments are submitting accurate information that they're not right. fudging their numbers. But anyway, so you know, it, it's basically the best that they can do with the information they are given. So they they looked. Uh, at the crimes submitted, committed seasonally. So the takeaways from this report are that you are more likely to be a victim of violent crime in the summer. Uh, so it's about 6% more likely though, 12% for intimate partners. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that just means family members yeah. or specifically like spouse on spouse mm-hmm. sort of abuse. Um, but that goes up in the summer more. I would think domestic
0: partners. Yeah. Because they said intimate. Yeah, that's what I wasn't sure. You don't really describe a child-parent relationship as intimate. At least, yeah. I
1: would be very creepy if you did. That's yeah, yeah. that would be an uh, interesting word to use, where they could say like familial crime or something. Yeah. Um So yeah. So it's probably domestic abuse then. So your house is also more likely to be broken into in the summer. Eleven percent. Again, I think that's even just due to the fact that. People aren't home. They go on vacation. Right. That's and they true. post on Facebook. Yeah. Which my dad will not let me do. <laughs> well, you shouldn't. I know I shouldn't, but <laughs> as an 11-year-old, I didn't really understand that entirely. was don't tell anyone. I was afraid to tell my friends. I was like, oh, I, I can't tell them we're going to Hawaii. Because he didn't really explain it. He was just like, you shouldn't tell people you're going on vacation. It's a secret, Emily. like was like, it's like uh, I'm not going to be here next week in school. Why? I can't tell you that. Um, So, the beginning of the school year is actually the most dangerous time for teens. Uh, And this is because they actually see that simple assault is on the rise in the fall months and teens are most likely to be the victims of simple assault. I do not remember exactly what counts as simple assault versus complex assault. I'm assuming it just means getting like... Punched in the face. Right. I was going to say simple. hands
0: versus something else. Like things. yeah, bringing in a weapon or
1: just getting complicated with like uh, running someone over with a car.
0: Okay. I don't know.
1: I didn't Google it. Maybe I should have. But anyways, uh, spring is a relatively safe time of year, which was. Um, I mean. Because the, the, the line of thinking was that since spring leads up to summer, you would see a steady increase. Right.
0: And my cases involve spring assault. So continue. <laughs> <That's>
1: <laughs> so, cool, uh, I mean, well, anecdotal versus information. But so spring is probably the safest time of year, but you can get mugged practically any time of the year. So robbery is the only crime that doesn't seem to follow any seasonal pattern. Uh, It just it does what it damn well pleases. Um, It they just said it like it does fluctuate, but it doesn't follow any pattern. People need money at all times of the year. It's true. It's really true. Um, Also, fun one: you are not more statistically likely to be raped or sexually assaulted in any particular season, Hmm. although um, it is actually. Uh, oddly enough see in the winter months crime for the most part tends to go down across the board Um, i don't know i'm thinking maybe shoplifting might go up but maybe i guess maybe not maybe shoplifting just happens all the time Hmm. but uh in case of like sexual assault and the like is that it's actually still pretty high in the winter months Hmm. so they thought that was interesting
0: unfortunate
1: yeah the fact that it happens at all is unfortunate. Well, I think
0: but. that might have to do with the fact that you're more likely to get sexually assaulted by someone you know.
1: Mm, and, so you're mm-hmm. always in close quarters with those people. In the winter, especially, yeah. yeah. And, okay. Yeah, that that would make sense. They didn't, I mean, because I, I didn't read the original study, I don't know if they did any speculation on why that was. Right. The Vox article didn't... Um, I would, I mean, depending on who was in charge of the study, I would kind of expect that they wouldn't do a lot of speculation because I know right. some scientists will, and then others will just straight out be like, nope, I'm just going to give you the information here. Right, right. So, uh,
0: so Which now... Which is the safer route. Yeah,
1: <laughs> quite truly, because uh, God knows your pop psych website will take whatever speculation. Even if you're like, we're just speculating here, they'll be like, so science has shown that... <laughs> Uh, Eating your toenails increases your immune system or something, you know. My favorite one
0: is um, uh, reading books to your children is the number one predictor of better education. I'm like, actually reading books to children happens in homes where parents give a shit about their children's <laughs> yeah. education. So that's why you're probably more likely to reach mm-hmm. a higher <laughs> level of education.
1: <laughs> because your parents <sighs> are able to provide more time and care for you. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. All right. So now, some very extensive studies have been done in seeing how heat affects anger. Um The old, you know, real human can administer a shock to uh, another human who isn't actually a real person. You know, the Milford experiment, essentially not as controversial anymore, but you can still do stuff like that. Um, And a lot of these studies found a U-shaped relation is that as the heat climbed, so did, you know, like the intensity of the shocks and the willingness of the person to administer them. But then they also saw that that would drop off as the heat continued I to increase. I feel like we
0: should explain what the Milford experiment is. Yes.
1: Um, so go for it. Okay. <laughs> um. I remember, I mean, like...
0: Well, we can just give a general example. Yeah. A general example is you're administering shocks to somebody if they answer a question wrong, and they're on the other side of a curtain, like you can't see them. Yeah. So every time they answer a, qu- a question you have, incorrectly, then you're supposed to give them a shock and the shock is supposed to increase over time. Mm -hmm. So the more questions they get wrong, the harsher the shock is. Yeah. And so basically what Emily was saying is that when the heat was increased, people were more willing to give those
1: higher shocks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, and in these cases of these studies now is that they are allowed to pick the intensity of the shock. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not it. We're in the Milford experiment. It was, they were told to, they had to increase it each time and that was, showing the effects of because uh, they had the, like the authority figure saying that yeah you have we're to not going to go into the yeah. experiment, but just to give an idea of what that yeah. was. So I think yeah, in this case I think they got to choose the intensity and they were seeing that people were more willing to pick the higher intensity shocks. because ah. um, that's what I have s- seen in studies that do that is now they get to pick the intensity. Right. Um, and then studies have also shown that there is a decrease in pro-social uh, i.e helpful behavior. During extreme weather, um, and now they saw this on both sides. So it wasn't just it was heat, and it was also cold, which is kind of funny because the winter season is supposedly the season of giving in the northern hemisphere. Yeah. But they have shown that just I, I part of me thinks that it might also be like a because when your body like a like almost like a survival thing is when your body is subject to extreme temperatures. It even though we're fine, like there's still the old primate brain that's like. Survival comes first, where you may not be as interested in being, like, a helpful, nice person. When you're like, first, I got to make sure I don't get, like, heat stroke, or I don't freeze to mm-hmm. death. Mm-hmm. Um, that's me. That's me speculating, though. Okay. That. that didn't come from any study. I was just thinking about Maybe. That. Yeah. So, um, also, prolonged heat stress can cause ailments that range from exhaustion and headaches to delirium, heart attacks, and even death. So in general, heat just really has a lot of negative impacts on humans if it's prolonged. And so this isn't just limited to crime rates. Um, and like I said, some people will argue that increased crime rates are not due to heat alone. While heat can cause people to behave more aggressively, they really do think that the significant increase in crime is just largely due to more people interaction caused by warmer weather. Um so general studies don't really show an increase in nonviolent crime um, so it'd be interesting to try and link to see how heat would only increase violence towards other people mm. that's what they're saying like as property crime can happen really anytime right but they're saying since there seems to be an increase in violent crime it's people on people crime right. so why would heat only affect that one type of crime right Is i would think
0: they because then you've got two players involved, whereas yeah. the other one, it's always just one player against mm. something else. Yeah. So two agitated people are
1: more likely to do I know, to right, more likely, to, <laughs> more likely to get uh, to throw fists. So, Laura, yes. you once lived down under. I have. That was me attempting. To That was pretty good. Yeah, really? Okay. Damn it, because I put in my... I mean, my... no, it was oh, actually okay. really bad. Oh, good, because <laughs> like... I put in my notes, sound as poorly Australian as you can. Oh, nanda mate. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful, I love it. So anyways, have you ever heard of the phrase going tropo? Tropo. You might not have, because uh, it is more Australian sure. than New Zealand, and you've only yeah. visited Australia, I think. I, I, know a, I, I know a lot of other slangs, but not that <laughs> one. Anyways, okay. Going tropo. So going tropo, so this uh is a thing it's um i mean any if you have i don't know if you have any australian listeners um but this is a thing Ooh. they'll probably be familiar with or they'll come and be like no it's not it's actually not nearly as common as you think i live in the u.s i've never been to australia this is what the internet told me so going tropo is uh if you're looking at like urban dictionary uh-huh. uh it is essentially like a state of madness associated with tropical weather you know hot, humid. It is yeah. an exclusively Australian term, though, so that's why I was like, maybe you've heard of it.
0: Maybe um, not. I don't know, because, like, I remember um, learning about the term smoko, and it, it basically smoke break, oh,
1: so, smoko.
0: like, I'm going out, uh, like, it's time for my smoko, or whatever, going on smoko. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, mm-hmm. and I tried to ask Marcella, who had lived in Australia, mm-hmm. if she knew
1: this term, and she was like... No,
0: and she lived there for, like,
1: five years, so (laughs) who knows? Yeah, so, and of course, but is going tropo actually, like, a thing? So, um, okay, it's probably not an actual disorder, but they say it could be a collection of symptoms caused by the heat. Um, In a study that was done using, um, I will admit, in the article, they call them, like, they did, Darwinites so this is probably very selective it's their audience um but a hundred of them they were given a question um to kind of basically compare like their mental state and like when they're in the presence of like air conditioning or not Mm -hmm. so the study did show that those who like worked in you know like areas with not without any air conditioning did show higher levels of Things like anxiety, physical aggression, anger, stuff like that. It's, all, it's self-reports, though, so, you know, take it as you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, like, it sounds like they use their readers. And so, you know. <laughs> yeah. So we'll take it as. Um, but... Research has found um, that a lot of symptoms of going tropo are similar to those you might see of someone who has seasonal affect disorder, SAD, mm-hmm. which is, you know, where long, dark winters cause negative mood changes in people. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking this could be like a similar but opposite effect is, you know, when you have SAD in, you know, countries where they like, you know, Alaska, where half of the year there's no sun. Right. Is thinking, what if you have that on the opposite end where you have...
0: Like, oh, too much sun. Yeah, too Ova much sun. time, sun. sun.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, could that also have a negative effect on you? So, uh, these studies have shown, like, they've seen effects in, like, sleep patterns, appetites, relationships, and hobbies, all due to continue, continuous exposure to high humidity and temperatures. Uh, heat hangovers are also a thing. Hmm. Um I've never experienced one, but I also, I mean, like I've, you know, I worked at Six Flags, so I saw I remember people who got getting heat stroke. Well, I remember, um, I just know that in the summertime, if
0: I'm out all day in the sun, the next morning I feel super groggy and mm-hmm. like
1: terrible. You have, may have had a heat hangover then, yeah. Because they have seen things. Um, so again, we're this long continuous exposure to high temperatures can cause nausea, headache, loss of appetite, and general lethargy yeah so there's your heat hangover for you um a lot of that also sounds like heat stroke too I've seen people you know faint so drink water please that happened to me after I went camping in Mm -hmm.
0: north of Auckland
1: and it Mm -hmm. was like
0: I was just out in the summer like heat for like two days or something and you know no air conditioning or anything yeah um and I just remember getting home and being absolutely
1: exhausted and just like, I think I slept for like almost a day. I was just like,
0: I can't do anything. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I know like sometimes during the day when I spend a lot of time outside, when I come inside, then I can be kind of tired, but I wouldn't go as far as saying it's like um, some of the effects you've had, but yeah, that was the worst yeah. one. But I also may be able to mitigate these effects because I sweat so goddamn much. Yeah. <laughs> True, you are. So, sweaty. I am a sweaty person. My body's like, all right, we're just gonna cool it all off. So who knows? It looks like she's taking a shower. It's really it, bad. It is. It is so bad, guys. It's, I feel like it's gone. I feel like it's mostly because I exercise. I feel like I started sweating more when I started exercising. Yeah. Like I, your body has trained itself. Well, yeah. Well, I like you know, I didn't have night sweat issues until I started running. Right. So I don't know. But anyways, back to what we're talking about. So. um just so all of this really is to say is that, like any other environmental factor, heat uh, can influence our behavior and actions, um, though, of course, it's most popular looked at in relation to uh, crime rates, but that's probably because people like crime and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a growing thing now, especially. It, you know, it's deviant. It's disturbing. It's, oh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it makes us want to know more. But, yes, there do seem to be some general correlation between the two, Um, Though there, of course, are other mitigating factors, like I said, people being outdoors and mingling together, increasing the chances of person-on-person crimes to occur, and just uh, houses being left empty for vacations, and the opportunity there arises. Um, And, you know, when it comes to science, it's rarely just one thing that causes another thing, so, but that's not to say heat is not involved, because it makes people angry.
0: True. Which, did you do any research into the agitation, like, of, like, the studies where they pe- put people in a room and, like, slowly increase the temperature and then they cause something to happen and they, like, kind of record their reactions based on the people who were in the hot room versus the normal room? That did not come up when I was uh, Googling it. Yeah, I just remember, like, um, I think it just showed that they were... M- more likely to get pissed off so like um it was one of those experiments where you don't know you're an experiment yet Mm -hmm. so they're like come sit in our waiting room and fill out this paperwork and so there's like in one of the rooms like they're making the temperature really hot while these people are like trying to fill out the paperwork and then something goes wrong like they're going to have to, they're like, ooh, sorry, your appointment got moved, so you're going to have to wait an hour yeah. before we do the, and just seeing, like, what their reaction is mm-hmm. in the hot room versus the normal room, and I think, like, in the hot room, people are more likely to get, like, super pissed off and, like, actually, like,
1: verbally say it versus, yeah. like, in a normal room, they're just like, oh, okay. No, I mean, <laughs> I agree. I, I think I'm like, yeah, that would really piss me off if I was also hot, because I think it's an yeah. uncomfortable thing, right? Like, you're right. uncomfortable. Um, I, you know, it would be curious to see if it also happens when you like drop the temperature too. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I would, I totally understand that. I'm like, yeah, if the room was hot and you're like, your appointment's been to me back an hour, I'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> right. How dare you? I mean, I'm not, maybe I, you would just see me like storming off or something. Cause I not want to like verbally abuse receptionists, but I don't know. I've never been this experiment. but those are my favorite because i always think about like well you know they have to then have like the the experiment so like what do they go in there they fill out a personality test and they're like i sat in that room for this fucking thing exactly (laughs) and it's like no you're actually already done we're just carrying on the ruse or do they come in and be like okay experiments done the person's like what like all right you waited an hour good job (laughs) yeah you did it yay and they're like wait a second what yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay Time for some vicious crimes. Yeah.
0: Um, pretty much all of the summer crimes I could find were absolutely horrifying.
1: Well, yeah, (laughs) because the
0: boring ones, no one
1: talks about those. Yeah,
0: but, like, I was hoping, I don't know, I don't know what I was hoping for, (laughs) but I just feel like these crimes are, like, very, very violent, and maybe I'm just primed to think of them as violent, because it was, like, going into it with heat makes you more violent, but (laughs) I feel like these are pretty bad. So I tried to choose one that was, like, older Uh so not that it wasn't bad but it just some time has passed so we can look at it It doesn't feel as fresh yeah um so my sources were illawarra mercury news wikipedia and murderpedia we are gonna start on a warm summer day on wanda beach near sydney australia Good day, mate. Yeah, mate. Yeah. So when you brought up Australia, I was like, ah. Yes, also a story about going
1: tropa. Uh,
0: kind of. I mean, oh. we'll see. Um, so just after the start of the new year on January 11th, 1965, which is the summer there, like midsummer. That's right. I was like January. Break. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, We are in the southern hemisphere. I'm very um, self centered. (laughs) It still weirded me out, like to think of like somebody in October
1: has a spring birthday there. I'm
0: like, what? Like I don't know. It just weirds me out.
1: Okay, you know, I I've never really thought about this, but they okay, so spring would then define not the time of the year, but the weather of the time of the year. Spring comes before.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. So like Like, summer. January
1: is is summer. Not. Winter. I wasn't sure if they were just like, we have a warm winter. Like, this is a thing. Nope. nope. Okay. Nope. 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 The opposite I've, seasons. I just never thought about it, to opposite be totally seasons. honest.
0: Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, it was just after the start of New Year, January 11th, 1965, when two girls, Marianne Schmidt and Christine Sherrick, were trying to enjoy a stay at the beach despite the strong winds that morning. So it was very windy. It was so windy that they had actually closed off most of the beach. So... got the umbrellas. I'm thinking of that video. Yeah. Run. <laughs> Run. <laughs> yeah. whole yeah. 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 uh, nation. Yes. Um, so let's talk a little bit about who these two girls are. So Marianne Schmidt was a 15-year-old girl who immigrated from Germany with her parents in 1958. They eventually settled in Sydney in 1963... After her father was diagnosed with Honchkin's lymphoma, and unfortunately he did pass away approximately one year later. Ouch. Um, Christine Sherrick, who was also 15, met Marianne when she moved next door to her house in Sydney. Christine was living with her grandparents at the time, and her own father had passed away some years ago. So the girls quickly bonded. Mm -hmm. um, Possibly related to that? I don't know. I thought that it was... More than a coincidence that two girls would get along really well who had shared similar tragedies. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were also the same age and they lived next door to each other, but whatever. It was like the perfect match. The girls, accompanied by Marianne's four younger siblings, were making the best of this windy beach morning. They sheltered between some rocks at the south end of the beach and went swimming in the shallow water nearby, then had a picnic afterward.
1: That's cute. dish cute. Um, I know this is gonna end tragically. Yeah, so it's gonna bask in like um, a picnic on the beach. <laughs> the two older girls
0: said that they would leave to go get their belongings, which they. Oh wait. Oh nope. I skipped some stuff. Okay. After the picnic, <laughs> <laughs> after the picnic, uh, Christine left to wander the beach while Marianne stayed behind with her siblings, because you know, like I said, four younger siblings. Um, and eventually, Christine returned. To the, and the group were like walking amongst the sand dunes but the younger kids started to complain about the, how windy it was and they were like let's just go home sounds like younger siblings yeah and so the two older girls said that they would leave to go get their stuff which they had left in the rocks um, but then they started walking off in the wrong direction and the younger kids were like where are you going the rocks are the other way and the girls were like ha 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 and just kind of like left <laughs> and were like Bye!
1: (laughs) That is such an older sibling move.
0: (laughs) Fuck you, bye! They were just like, just stay here, we'll be back in a bit. And yeah, left. Um, I feel that so intensely. Bye, um. Katie! (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, The siblings waited several hours and finally took the last train home around 5 p.m. They arrived back home at approximately 8 p.m. and at 8 30, Christine's grandparents alerted the police that the girls were missing. So they never came back um, after they left. Yeah, I got that. Yeah.
1: Don't worry. Okay. Just,
0: just driving it <laughs> home. <laughs> just make sure
1: it's right? not losing.
0: Driving it home. <laughs> so let's take a journey forward in time to the spring of 1984. So almost 20 years later. Yep. <laughs> More of a
1: w- rewind sound, but it's fine.
0: <laughs> I was going to try to do like a forward sound, but I was just going to like... It's <laughs> a <laughs> yeah, like... forward sound. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so Christopher Wilde is, uh, was a man with a dark past living in Miami, Florida. He had grown up in Australia and lived in Sydney until 1969, when, after his wife of one week left him, that
1: was a fast marriage, um, he immigrated to the U.S. I'm, I'm kind of curious about her thought process where <laughs> she went so quickly from, let's get married to, oh, fuck you, bye. Yeah. Like, I'm like, well, that is a um, lot of turnover. Was I feel this a like, Vegas wedding? Like, I feel like it
0: was definitely a him manipulating her into marriage to try to control her and her uh. getting free. Uh, just based on who this man is. Yeah. And you will soon come to find out that like, that is the I more details about that what happened in g- this, this, this one-week marriage. <laughs> yep. Damn. Um, so yeah, he came to the U.S. after that. Um, but he had been known to the police in Sydney. In 1962, he had been part of a group of men that gang-raped a woman on a beach in Sydney. He underwent electroshock therapy as part of the sentencing for the crime, which only seemed to did, escalate yeah, did his, not vi- stick. his violent tendencies. If anything, it made it way worse. So I just good want to know job, who in the lab guys. was like,
1: "This isn't working. Let's let him loose anyway."
0: Yep, yep. You will find a pattern in his history of being like, "Oh,
1: you've committed multiple violent crimes, but." You can still walk free, but. I, I tend to find a lot of that pattern in criminals is when it's just mm-hmm. like incompetence or lack of funding, insufficient. Like, just any, some yep. sort of incompeti- incompetency or inefficiency that like causes them like. And I can't even.
0: I can't even blame like his move. Like, oh well, the Sydney police didn't tell the Miami police or whatever. Because like he just did, he started doing shit in Miami when he got
1: there too. So it's like you just and Miami was like wagging their finger at him, yeah. like you crazy man. Tisk 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 yeah. tisk tisk. Raping
0: women is bad. Tisk tisk. Okay, now go home.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Stop that. Goodbye. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, in, ni- in the 1970s after he would moved to the United States he had many scrapes with the law including wa- raping a woman who um, he had convinced to get into his car under the pretenses of being a model photographer so that was kind mm. of like his shtick was being like hey you're really beautiful and uh why don't you come back to my place because I'll I'll photographer you. That's not a word. All I'm saying
1: is he is not original at all. Mm -mm, Like, I've heard this before, sir. So he's
0: like, I'll I'll take photos of you for, like, a modeling shoot, and you'll get famous. And, of course, it was the 1970s when supermodels were just becoming, like, a really popular thing. So, and where the whole cliche of, hey, I'll take photos of you because I work for models, like, wasn't quite
1: worn out yet yeah it, he was one of the first <laughs> to use this um i mean i, mean, I get it because we all watched america's next top model we all thought yeah. it was there's was something glamorous and pretty about it even right even now and um so despite
0: this despite his many run-ins with the law and raping a woman after essentially abducting her kidnapping um he never served any jail time of course not no no not at all they wagged his finger at him. Um, I should mention
1: here on the he was rich. Oh, yes. okay. Mm-hmm. 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 He was a rich motherfucker. So.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's probably why. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. He had a construction business or something. I didn't look too much into it because I didn't give yeah, a shit. Nobody cares. Um. So. Uh, in 1982 on a visit back home to Australia to visit his parents uh, what, what do you do on a trip back home to visit your parents why ask Christopher Or what do you think what do you think you do on a trip back home to visit your old parents you visit your parents no <laughs> you fucking abduct two 15 year old girls and force them to pose nude and sexually assault them I mean, what a charming man! It, it such a lovely son to I'm go trying, home. I'm to really his trying to parents. think of something to lighten the mood, and I'm like, no. I, I got nothing. No, I got nothing. Um, and yeah, he was bailed out for that one, so he barely served
1: any jail time for that. Um, I'm going to just picture the parents of these 15-year-old girls just leading, like, a riot, and this is how he died. Don't tell me the rest of the story. I don't okay. want to know. And then he was killed by the angry parents.
0: Yes! Good job,
1: Emily. Yes!
0: <laughs> uh, no. Finally, the crimes he is best known for. Ah. Because that wasn't it. That was not it at all. Um, his killing spree of over eight victims between February and April in 1984 in Miami, Florida... You're giving. You just. You look so defeated.
1: <laughs> I hate everything. It's yeah. fine. Keep going. Um,
0: I don't really want to go into the details of a lot of the crimes. First of all, he had a pretty strong MO, so I'll just. I will give what that was, but um. Basically, they were all horrific, and they were all very young and victims. Yeah, and everyone is welcome to go read it on your own, but don't right. make Laura do that. So I'm just going to share their names. hmm Rosario Gonzalez. Elizabeth Kenyon, Terry Ferguson, Terry Walden, Suzanne Logan, Cheryl Bonaventura, Michelle Kaufman, and Beth Dodge. All right. So, with most of his victims, he abducted them, sexually assaulted them, and then killed them by stabbing and/or strangulation. However, not all of his murder attempts were successful. So, and some of the women he just abducted and assaulted. He didn't mm-hmm. try to kill them. So he left a hot trail for the police to slowly follow. And one of one of his murder um, or potential murder victims who actually survived his attempt to murder her was Donette Wilt. And she was able to, like, inform the police of, like, his traveling plans. Mm-hmm. So the police were eventually able to catch up to him and... Upon attempting to arrest him,
1: he shot himself to avoid capture. So we didn't even get to go. Nope. I mean, I I don't want to be the kind of person who's like, you have to suffer for your crimes, but at the same time, like, you need to suffer, sir. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. It's just a little bit of an anticlimactic
1: ending. Yeah.
0: Um, you really want him to see justice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, now we go back. Let's go back in time. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 1965, summertime. On ja- on Tuesday, January 12th, remember the girls were reported min- missing the day before, January 11th, a man was walking with his three young nephews on Wanda Beach enjoying the summer day when he spotted what appeared to be a mannequin laying face down in the sand. He walked over to investigate and quickly discovered that this was not a mannequin and in the words of my favorite murder it's never a mannequin
1: no. <laughs> I think of it back in the day is because I'm like most mannequins I see are like completely white I would not mistake that for well if you're a dead body oh, you might be maybe. more pale okay fair enough um I was also thinking back in the day they looked more realistic I don't know um, no clue um
0: so, obviously, the police were called, and then, um, I mean, the man didn't even realize there were two bodies. He just saw one, mm-hmm. so he calls the <laughs> police. He's you're like, I'm not looking any further. Yeah, oh. no, he got... I'm the, like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Call um, the police. Yeah, so the police um, did discover the two bodies of Marianne Schmidt and Christine Sherrick, and they were partially buried in the sand dunes. But there was, like, um, obvious signs of a struggle in the sand Mm -hmm. and there were drag marks Mm. not pleasant things um the girls had been stabbed and beaten with a blunt object but murder weapons were never found and semen was found on both of their bodies suggesting that they had been sexually assaulted but unfortunately to this day the case has never been officially solved So why did I spend so long talking about Christopher Wilder? Well, let's go back. In 1962, three years before the murders of this girl, is when he had done the gang rape in Sydney, on a Mm -hmm. Sydney beach, which is where these two girls were murdered. They were murdered on a beach near Sydney. He was given the electroshock therapy, which seemed to increase his violent tendencies. And again, we know later down the road, he's perfectly capable of committing multiple rapes and
1: murders. Yeah.
0: He was living in Sydney until 1969, which was four years after the murder, so he was definitely there for Mm -hmm. the time, um, and most of his victims fit the profile of these two girls. They were young, they were 15, 16, 17, um, pretty, like, just beautiful young girls Mm -hmm. that he was a predator to, um... He had in Australia in 1982 attacked two 15-year-old girls, remember? Yeah. And it had sexually assaulted them, but they did, you know, uh, they, they he did not attempt to murder them. But it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, if he had only attacked single victims, then maybe this would be less of a possibility. But he had attacked two yeah. victims. So, and of a similar age, or of the same age. Uh, and he even at the time even during the investigation of this murder he was listed as a suspect okay because he had been involved mm-hmm. in the gang rape yeah. on a beach um and he had been looked at but unfortunately in the 1960s semen dna is not viable. like they they were, would not have been able to test that yeah. against him did they not save it So, because
1: I know people used to do that. I would have
0: hoped that they had saved a sample of semen and saved a sample of DNA from Wilder, but I could find no evidence. Oh. That, uh, because I feel like if they had, they would have tested it by now, and there was no testing.
1: Well, I mean, I know sometimes it comes down to like backlog and funding, but right, you would think you would see evidence at least that someone was attempt like was trying to put it into the police's knowledge to test it. But I don't, yeah, I
0: definitely didn't find anything Mm -hmm. about it. And again, the murders have never been officially solved, so I don't think they have, if they have tested the semen, they have not found a DNA profile that they have been able to link to somebody else. Yeah. Um, So, unfortunately, the case does remain open and has not been officially solved, but I feel like compared to like, all of the other suspects that they had looked at for the murder case, that mm-hmm. he was definitely the most likely one. Okay. Just because, um, like, one of the suspects, the only reason he was a suspect is because in jail, he had been convicted of raping a 19-year-old girl and murdering her. And in prison, he had painted an abstract picture that supposedly looked like the beach where the two girls were found, Mm -hmm. and, like, that there was, like, possibly, like, even evidence of him drawing, like, the streaks in the sand of, like, the bodies being dragged and stuff, so they were like, maybe he did it, but, like, that's
1: super circumstantial, and there was no other real evidence to support that. Um, I mean, mean, since he died before they even got him in, like, police custody, there's really no no way to know, really, great certainties how many uh, victims he might have had, just women who did not did not come forward and reported, or their bodies weren't found. Right. They're just reported missing or if they're reported missing at all. And
0: like to think that his first, like his streak in the spring of 1984 would have been his first attempt at murdering people. I feel like that's a little like, I mean, I feel like it wouldn't be a stretch to consider that he had done things no. earlier. Yeah. no, no Other no, no. than just rape, mm-hmm. like that he had killed in the past. Yeah. So
1: if I've learned anything from criminal minds. <laughs> It's usually that they've done that before. Yes. <laughs>
0: so I just felt like his was the most like compelling to me. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, there are like other suspects out there. I just yeah. didn't think that there's their evidence was as strong. Um so although the evidence that I found was also very circumstantial, so who knows. But
1: Nope, we're saying it here today, he did it.
0: Yep. And, um, and it just now
1: it's true.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it really sucks, but hey, that's life, man. I don't know. It's summertime, Woo, summertime God. sadness. Are you guys all enjoying your summers out there? Because <laughs> that's when this is coming out. So. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Well, that was pretty much it. Okay. Cool. I hope we're all nice and depressed now. Yeah, everyone and stay
1: inside. Ready, ready to... be on. <laughs> yeah. Please yeah. don't, don't kill anyone. Stop it. No stop it. If
0: you're going outside to jog, you're already likely a serial killer. Like if you're jogging outside okay. in a hundred degree weather
1: at noon, which we have seen. I know. It's ridiculous. I don't even like doing it at like seven in the morning. It's still it's seventy five degrees yeah. and humid. And I'm like, This so sucks. If you
0: are one of those people and you claim to not be a serial killer, I don't trust you and you're probably gonna commit a crime. So. I don't trust like that. <laughs>
1: nope. <laughs> i imagine this summer property crime will go down because everybody's inside
0: right all right pandemic 2020 yeah.
1: Ooh. Ooh. violent crimes well Ugh. domestic will be up but oh, everything else should probably not be we'll see we'll see we'll see well we won't until later
0: yeah all right, all right then. then well um
1: goodbye, goodbye.
0: As always, thank you for listening to Weird Science, hosted by Laura Moyer and Emily Gangness. If you'd like to get into contact, our email is We Talk Weird Science at gmail.com, spelled W E T A L K W E I R D P S Y B N C E at gmail.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at Weird Science, spelled the same way. Cover art is by Morgan Kalka, whose Twitter handle is at your director. Music is by Hosway Allen at J-O-S-U-E-A-L-N on Instagram. Thank you so much. Have a great day.